Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Yo, Metalheads, this is Jimmy Clark, Lars Oliver's Drum Tech, Metallica, here at Metal Up Your Podcast, the number one podcast, all things Metallica. Welcome to Miller Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And I'm Brad B. Hey, Brad, Brad B. B is Brad here. Brad B. in the house. 
Welcome to town, Brad, here at HQ2. Came in to visit. Going to go to grunge night tonight. Yeah. Going to rock out. Wearing your Pearl Jam shirt. Yeah, I you're, had to. You're all grunged up. Yeah. <laughs> Are you like the band Pearl Jam? They're pretty good. Do you have a flannel in the car? <laughs> no. I need to stop and get one. <laughs> Everyone will probably know that you formerly co-hosted Single Podcast yes. Theory, the premier Pearl Jam podcast. Yes. And you have a big stick man uh, tattoo on your leg. Mm-hmm. Which I know you like to show off. I do. I whip it out all the time. I was at a concert a couple weeks ago, and I saw one of the photographers running around, and she was wearing a Pearl Jam shirt. And I was like, hey, I like that shirt. And she sat down and started talking to me about how much she loves Pearl Jam. And I was like, hey, look at this. Yeah. You didn't just let her notice it. No. (laughs) No. You you just jumped right in. I was wearing jeans. So I had to. My ankle's really itchy. (laughs) But you were wearing skinny jeans, so you had to actually take them down from the waist to show her. Right. Yeah. And you yeah, had that, an erection, which yeah, that's, was really yeah, awkward. That changes <laughs> the meaning of whip it out. <laughs> Purity yeah. was like, get out of here. Yeah. Almost canceled on the way here. So mm-hmm. we're really glad to see you. So yeah, that you're not I in some sort of uh, cancellation jail. Yeah. yeah. Taking your pants down at a concert. Was she impressed with the tattoo? She was. Were there follow-up questions? Um, she, Her mom was up in the balcony. And she was like, my mom loves Pearl Jam too. We go to all the shows. And I tried to show it to her from down on the floor. And how'd that go? Uh, <laughs> she leave her binoculars she just kinda, at home? She, yeah, yeah. She's, she's trying to look at your little penis. Is right. What she was trying yeah. to look yeah. at. She's yeah. like, somebody say whip it out. She's right. like, is that a little red tic-tac in there? What is that? What are we looking at? <laughs> well, we're off to a really interesting start. Sure. Well, yeah. this is going to be a tangent city. Brad's in town. It's a special occasion. And uh, we're going to read some emails. And then we're going to talk about whatever the fuck we want. All I know right. you want to talk about a little bit about uh, your excitement about the new song and the new album. And yes. the new tour. Loving it. Because mm-hmm. you're also a big Metallica fan. And everyone should mm-hmm. know that. Everyone knows you from the Discord. You've been on the episode. Probably other than Paul, you've been on the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I dip in. Yeah, you're up there, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. This How does is, it feel? Oh, man. Hashtag blessed. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, it deserves a hashtag. I think this is only the second one with the three of us in the same room. Because okay. I've done a couple with you. I've done yeah. a few with you. But Oh, I've seen that Pearl Jam tattoo a lot. You what? I've seen that Pearl Jam tattoo a lot. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. If you know what I mean. <laughs> you got a lot of big shoes to that. fill. That's right, man. People probably have shut this off by now. I was hoping you would either grow dreads or have one of those Rastafarian hats that like fits the dreads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you brought neither. You're wearing, you're a clean shaven, clean cut yeah. Chicago <laughs> Cubs hat wearing Pearl Jam fan mm-hmm. here on our Metallica right. podcast. You got some big leather boots to fill. Yeah. Do you remember when you uh, invited me to the snake pit? I do. That was how we met. That was. <laughs> and then you came and stayed with me, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder if we would do that again today. Like if we had never met and it was five years later of like, just listening to the well, show. I and... got off a tour bus, got in your car, mm-hmm. didn't know you. Right. And then you came to my house and we had just moved in. <laughs> right. And you <laughs> yeah. like helped me set up my washer and dryer. Yeah. We went to Lowe's and we bought went... a dryer vent and clamps and a cord. We sure did. Yeah. Wow. And now look at us. Mm-hmm. You want me to leave you guys alone? Yeah. <laughs> Should I take off? I almost came and hooked up your stove last year. Yeah, that's right. And I think I've actually inquired you about my water line in my fridge. Yeah. This that's is actually actually what, podcast. That's actually why we brought you here today is if you could take a look right. at that uh, dishwasher. Yeah. So it's sponsored by Lowe's. No, it was right. the dishwasher. Because <laughs> we got this fancy new dishwasher, but it needs its own, uh, it needed its own like power source in it. And it was something that was beyond your purview. Right. Those I don't ever hook up. I was pretty I disappointed. Fridge, I was right. pretty disappointed in your inability to help me. Yeah. And I actually wondered if our friendship was right. divided. <laughs> well, you the funny thing was you you texted me and asked me about like we needed a fridge. I thought it was a fridge. No, it was a dishwasher. Dishwasher. And you're like, can can will they deliver it like today? And I was just like, <laughs> oh, silly homeowner. We upgraded everything in the uh, except the fridge actually in the kitchen because we're selling our house. Right. 
We got a really nice dishwasher. I really got to say, this is 40, by the way. 40 is when you get excited about Dyson vacuum cleaners and dishwashers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because the new dishwasher we got is one of the nicest ones you can get, and it's fucking silent. That's awesome. Is it a Bosch? It is a Bosch. Check out the big brain on bread. You're a smart motherfucker. That's right. Look at you. You know Whoa, your dishwashers, man. don't you? I guess you work at Lowe's, don't you? <laughs> well, it was really disappointing, too. I mean, we're just going to really get into this because this is tangible. Let's City. do it. They brought it, but when they brought it, it needed its own power source, mm -hmm. and the guy couldn't do it, so we had to get an electrician. Then that guy came, put the power source in there, but it made the dishwasher protrude. So then we had to get a third guy to come out. I mean, it took months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, just, my life is hard, dude. Just dishes piled up for months. <laughs> my, well, we could run it, but it was just all fucked up. Right. It just wasn't. I'm the kind of guy that when I've decided to get something new, I'm like ready to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the three-month waiting period to get it all sussed out is painful right. for me. Well, you want it to, if you're paying that much money, you want it done right when it shows yeah. up. Yeah, that's what you're paying for. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't buy a $2,000 guitar from Fender and they, they send it disassembled. I don't show up to Morgan Wade gigs not being able to play the songs. Right. right. Yeah. I show up knowing how to play them immediately. Yeah. And playing them at a very high level. And that's what I expect of my dishwasher repairman. And he was pretty unwilling to be helpful. Mm -hmm. he kind of felt like ah this is kind of out of my thing i don't really give a shit which yeah. i don't really blame him it's not like he's low of lows right <laughs> right you know what i mean yeah lows on a yacht somewhere mm -hmm. old man low right he's not in my house dealing with my shit and this guy probably doesn't even work for lows he's like a third party type deal is that what it was mm -hmm. interesting you got the inside scoop on lows <laughs> we might have to get into some lows talk <laughs> i know sure. for real so people can peek behind the old mm -hmm. curtain of lows yeah what do you want to know I just uh, want to know about all the intricate and intimate politics that go on in a, <laughs> a home improvement a home store. store yeah. <laughs> it's the same as anywhere. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? But I'm in the truck all day, so I don't see a lot of that. That's right. You do a del delivery, right? right? Yeah, that's cool. I think I'd rather do that than be in a yeah. store all day long. Yeah. yeah. Go in the store, load the truck, and then you're gone all day. I actually have a fantasy about retiring from the music industry and working in a Home Depot or a Lowe's. Just being the guy mm. in the back that mm. just knows all about dishwashers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's on aisle 17. Exactly. I know how much money I'm making. I get vacation. I get benefits. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be able to be here because I don't think I could stand to sell lumber to a fellow musician who's building a new house because their gig's going so good. <laughs> right. But I could move to like Boulder, Colorado and we're going right. to, and I actually fantasize about it. You, and you, we want to hear my fantasy. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. You've seen Death Proof. Yeah. The movie. Mm -hmm. I want to Death Proof of the box truck that I drive and just roll it off of like a giant mountain okay hold on you're gonna break this down. <laughs> what the heck is going now, I've on seen, i've seen death proof right but i'm trying to understand what you're saying you want to you want to be in it when it rolls mm -hmm. off yes you've made it death proof meaning yes you could, you i could... want to survive i'm it's not a death wish but i want to experience rolling down a hill in one of those big box trucks and that's your fantasy but i yeah but i want to survive it i want to experience it Wow. What would you be wearing to not get banged up and stuff like that? Or, or would you be like suspended in the middle of the truck where, yeah, I'd have the, where you don't hit anything? I'd have the big like seatbelt that like crisscrosses you. Yeah. You know, you better like protect the, that Pearl Jam tattoo. We yeah. can't have that getting shaved <laughs> yeah, off. That'd be, yeah, I'd, that'd be wrapped up. Wrapped up tight. Mm -hmm. So you're, my dream is to have financial and career stability <laughs> and security. Your fantasy is to death proof a truck and ride it off of a hill. Yes. <laughs> Quite Because the there's so many times where I'm on these back roads, like up in the hills, and I just look over and see that's you the know, one. And I'm like, I could just do it right now. I could just swerve 
Well, I can over. tell you this right now. You're never going to be a bus driver for me. <laughs> <laughs> You've just disqualified yourself from oh, ever sure. being my bus Cut driver. Cut this out. Yeah, if you ever want to get into it, like, yeah, driving artists. Right. For like, <laughs> don't, you know, don't. Hemp Hill. Right. Yeah. Don't put I'm, that, we're don't not put that out into the world. But like, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> well, I have this idea. I don't want anyone to die, but I do want to drive a bus off of right. a cliff once just to see yeah. what it's like. Right. And don't worry, I'll survive. As long as I survive. As long as that Pearl Jam tattoo is intact, mm-hmm. so you can show it to a woman's mom up in the, in the right. balcony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of with you, Clint, though. Like, as far as like, a, a, like ending up somewhere, what your dream would be, it would be something I would hope would be music related, but I also don't want to, like you, just be like basically encountering a bunch of people that are like really successful. No, if I leave, it's going to be a hard out. Yeah. It's going to be a big hard out. And then maybe I'll enjoy listening to music again. Maybe I could like get my life back. But at this point, it is my life. And if I do the hard pivot, yeah, it's not going to be um, in a music town. Yeah. I just couldn't face it. And I think, too, as I get older, I am isolating more. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, starting over somewhere and just being the Home Depot guy. Yeah. Sounds real nice. Yeah. Who's the new guy in town? Oh, we don't know anything about him. He just works at Home Depot in the appliance section. He knows a lot about Bosch dishwashers. Yeah. You'd want to be a salesman on the floor, though? Because, like, I, I, for me, I wouldn't mind working, like, in receiving. And just being in the back of the store. Well, see, day. now this is getting interesting. So what is that? What does that mean? That's being like in receiving. Like the trucks that come in and deliver stuff to the store in the semis. You just unload those trucks all day. And then, you know. I think I'd like to actually be selling them. Not because I love talking to people. Because I don't really. But I like being knowledgeable about stuff. And I like being yeah. able to help. So, I mean, I, I loved working in guitar stores. Because a parent would come in or someone who was coming in who was a musician and they would basically have very specific things that they were looking for and a very specific budget. Mm-hmm. And I really liked knowing it. Like if you well, give, you if make you a give, good point, if you give me the right dials to turn, I can get you exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. If your budget's this and you're trying to do this. Mm-hmm. I've got just the tools for you. That feels good. Yeah, for sure. It does. You make a good point because I would never want to work on the floor because I don't know anything about plumbing or lumber. Right. So the few times in my career that I've worked there, that I've had to work in the store and people come up to me and ask me stuff and I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. That's like, like that's if someone, hell. like if someone, if there was some sort of job where like maybe Dave Matthews could hire me and the job would be like, how do I get started in this band? Here's kind of what I like. Here are my sensibilities. Here's how old I am. Here's my life experience. What album should I start with? I could just do that all fucking right. day. Yeah. Maybe a, maybe a music taste consulting business. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure what where to start. I really want to get into music and start collecting records and tapes. Well, and stuff. no, I just, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm talking okay. specifically about Dave Matthews. Just Dave Matthews Band. Okay. Yeah. So, a Dave Matthews Band uh, consulting business to get people started. Yeah. They're like, I, I have a thing for pajama pants. I like really white sounding late 90s, mildly South African derivative dance party music, um, but with a good message. Well, I can get you started. Well, like, hey, right. You called the right number. Right. Now, if you put me in at Home Depot selling that stuff with the Muzak going, and I can sort of combine both passions. One time when I was working at a CD store, very similar to what I'm talking about, a woman came in and I was working at Coconuts. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Coconuts. I remember Coconuts. Mm-hmm. I've worked in two different mm-hmm. record stores. One was independent, so I've got all that high fidelity sauce. I've got that experience. Do you have it? Yeah. Great. We have it. Great. Can I have it then? No. No, you can't. Why not? Well, it's sentimental, tacky crap. That's why not. Do we look like the kind of store that sells I just called to say I love you? Go to the mall. What's your problem? Do you even know your daughter? There's no way she likes that song. Oh, oh, oh. Is she in a coma? Oh, okay, buddy. I didn't know it was pick on the middle-aged square guy day. My apologies. I'll be on my way. Bye-bye. 
but one was very corporate. It was called Coconuts, and it was as bad as you can imagine. But occasionally, you could help people get turned on to music, which I love. And this woman came in, beautiful. She's probably in her late 30s, which I was like 20. I was like 20. So to me, she may as well have been 60 years old. And she was sobbing. And she goes, uh, my husband just left me for another woman. My life's falling apart, and I just need some music to help. And a record that had just come out was that Maroon 5 record, Songs About Jane, which yeah. is a breakup record. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a big fuck you record. And I was like, hey, you know, maybe check this record out. And she bought it. And like an hour later, she called the store, tracked me down through the manager or whatever. And through tears of joy, it was thanking me because that record was exactly what she needed. Wow. I mean, I feel like you could start a business like that. Going through like a coconuts? <laughs> Not like coconuts. No, just like this consulting business or this, you know, it's almost like you're this in a way like a music therapist, but you don't actually sit down, you know, and, and you know, tell me where the, where it hurts. You know, people call you, they call the Clint Wells hotline. Like, yeah. Hey, this is what I'm going through. I need some music that's going to match what I'm going through right now. It's going to help me get through that. I'm not even a big Maroon 5 fan. Right. You know, that's how good I was at that mm-hmm. job. <laughs> well, let's get into the emails here because I'm sure people are tired of hearing me fantasize about Home Depot. <laughs> Although or, I could or, honestly talk about it for a long time. Lowe's, Lowe's, excuse me. Or, or Brad driving a Lowe's truck off a cliff. <laughs> Do you have some sort of uh, enmity with, is there a big, um, obviously there's like professional competition, but mm-hmm. are you like an anti-Home Depot guy? Oh, yeah. They're the worst. Who's the big four of, the uh, worst. of home improvement stores? <laughs> Who's the big four? You got Lowe's, Home Depot, what, Ace? Ace Hardware. Ace is, yeah. Uh, Ace is the place. What's the, what would be another one? There's got to be a big four. Uh, lumber 84. Oh, 84 <laughs> Lumber. Or like, 84 uh, Lumber. Like Harbor Freight. Mm, yeah, Harbor Freight. Or what's the other one with the yellow logo? There's no one like. Uh, well, there's yellow lumber, okay. like yellow brand lumber. But see, over here in Donaldson, where I live, there's a Home Depot right across the street from a Lowe's. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, occasionally, if I've gone to Lowe's or Home Depot first and they don't have my shit, I go right across the street. And Ooh. they seem, to me, to the layman. Now, this is just a fantasy of mine to work there. I don't really know the ins and outs like you. Mm-hmm. They seem identical. They're not. They seem identical. What are the they're main subtle, di- what, what subtle, are They're subtle differences. Well, let's fucking get into it. This is Kansas City. <laughs> hey, the email's going to wait. <laughs> well, let's lay it on us. Uh, Why is Lowe's better than Home Depot? It's cleaner. Like the store is cleaner? The stores are cleaner. Home Depot is just like a trashy, like, uh, it's like the back room, but it's the whole store is the back room where it's dirty and So you're dusty saying Home Depot is like the Ross for less. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's shopping, open boxes everywhere. You're just shopping for lumber off the floor. Right. The uh, displays are like chipped and damaged. Now, let me ask you this, because my fantasy is to work at Home Depot. I don't know why I've arbitrarily chosen it to be mm-hmm. Home Depot and not Lowe's. I think in the in the country, Home Depot is more like well-known brand name than Lowe's. Well, what I'm worried about for you, I'm concerned about this mm-hmm. for you right now, is that because you're a Lowe's man, you're a company man, that you've been fed a lot of propaganda about mm. the supposed negatives of Home Depot. And I'm curious if you have any actual tactile experience with Home Depot being the lesser brand. Mm, just from what i've seen when i walk in or is this like a 1984 type thing or a clockwork orange thing where they put you in a room Mm -hmm. they put these contraptions on your eyes eyes, yeah and they they drop your eyes for you so your Mm -hmm. eyes don't dry out and then they just show you violent images of home depot people fucking each other and killing each other (laughs) yeah and that's why you have this warped perception it's like uh white castle and crystals like crystals is just shit both garbage no no white (laughs) castle is they are both garbage like the best i can tell you this about both of those places mm-hmm. i've never eaten it either sober well that's okay well you're not sober very often so i don't know <laughs> i'm how. drunk right now <laughs> yeah both are garbage that's an interesting dichotomy what about the mcdonald's burger king uh, rivalry where do you stand i mean i prefer mcdonald's 
But every once in a while, you know, you just get a taste for that Whopper. <laughs> <laughs> You're just on your break at Lowe's. Just want a Whopper, man. Mm-hmm. Well, look, we're here at Tangent City. We're easing into it. We're going to ease into this. It's uh, I'm in a very chill mood. Mm-hmm. And we're easing into it. A yeah, lot of got, Home Depot talk. Yeah. Yeah. Clinton Lounge position. We we eased into it by the image of Brad rolling down a mountain mm-hmm. in a truck. Mm-hmm. Well, my co-write canceled today. And anyone who writes in this town will tell you that one of the greatest things that can ever happen to you other than a number one hit song is for a co-write to cancel. The two are so closely related in terms of your amount of joy when it happens. Sure. Because you get your whole day. I have yeah. a whole day. Right. So feel free to dip back in on any Home Depot Lowe's talk. All right. If you want to. I'm giving right. you guys permission. I'll sprinkle it in. We are going to dip into the emails here. Everyone's going to read one. We're going to, this is going to be a lot of Metallica talk. So that's good. I know people are breathing a sigh of relief or they've been skipping ahead until they hear looks at Turner. Ethan, why don't you start us off? Let's get these emails. Yeah, I'd love to. Our first email is from Seth Stidham. Good evening. Been one year since I emailed last and thought I would send another nod. Thank you so much to take the time to make your show. I am certain that success and friendships you have made have made it worthwhile and you're all having <clears throat> a flat out effing, a flat out effing fun. In the last year, I've subscribed to y'all's Patreon and I still don't miss an episode. I'm excited to see the band for the first time since 2000. The last show I attended was James's birthday bash that has uh, since been put on, on Metallica Mondays. Respectfully uh, request if you ever revisit that series that you cover the, that Dallas show. Uh, either way, I hope y'all have a good new year and really, you really help, uh, you help me out lots. Uh, my happy time is relaxing and walking and listening to Metallica and rolling Lowe's trucks off of mountains. That's interesting. Wow. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> y'all do outstanding work and are highly funny. I know you all hear, uh, hear that lots, but you all to hear it again. Have fun, Seth. The Metallica Mondays. I remember you were a big part of that when they were doing that. That was mm-hmm. like the pandemic stuff. We did one together. We did one together. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That was fun to, that, you know, for all the chaos that was going on in the world, that was a, that was a nice little breath of fresh air every Monday to get yeah, on, get on to Zoom look forward with people to. and watch it. St. Badass writes, best Clint and Eaton. This week you opened the show, 443, episode 317, with a song from St. Anger, and all I could hear was that snare. And the question I asked myself was, what if? Let me explain. Bob Rock is a great producer, but he was not the right guy to produce St. Anger. At that time, Metallica was a bit lost and basically tried to jump the new metal bandwagon. Bob Rock was great for big stadium rock and metal, but not so much for new metal. So what if Rick Rubin and Greg Fiddleman had already entered the world of Metallica back then and would have produced or engineered St. Anger? I think that album would then have been amazing. Just think of Slipknot's Volume 3, The Subliminal Verses, an amazing sounding album, which was produced by Rubin and engineered by Fiddleman a year after St. Anger. How would St. Anger have sounded if they had done the job? Greg Fiddleman really knew how to get a great sounding new metal album, would it then have received more love from the Metallica family? What do you guys think? Best from Ralph. My hot take is I still firmly believe that Bob Rock was the guy to produce that record. Not necessarily uh, even speaking sonically. I think he just had to be there. He was working with the guys for over 10 years at that point. I just can't imagine someone coming in, a fresh new face coming in the Metallica camp with what they were dealing with at the time, all the demons they were battling, things they were going through to be able to wrangle all that and make a record. Now, maybe the record would have sounded better. Maybe somebody would have said, hey, maybe the snares off thing is not a good idea. But I I don't think it would have made the content any better. I don't think it would have been a better written record. That's just 
my gut reaction about you, Brad. I agree. The music aside, they needed a friendly face to be in there with them with, like you said, with everything they were going through. I could see them maybe pushing all that deep down inside and just getting through it. So maybe it would have been a better sounding record, but that's probably all we would have gotten from them. And maybe that would have ultimately made them break up or something, mm-hmm. not dealing with all that stuff, not bringing our buddy Phil Towel in there. Well, and they had someone to take over the bass duties for the recording. So they would have had to deal with that on top of everything that was going on with James and Jason being gone. Yeah, I mean, the record doesn't sound bad because of Bob Rock. Yeah. Bob Rock knows how to make good sounding records. So that wasn't the problem. The problem was that's that's the record that they wanted to make. And Bob's job was to make the record they wanted to make. It was Lars who wanted to turn the snares off. Yeah, right. You know, they had a philosophy of the record that seems to have been, we want the record to sound as ugly as we feel. And they did do that. Yeah. But I agree with you. I just don't think the songs are very good. Yeah, I don't think that uh, bringing in Rick Rubin or Fiddleman would have improved the songs. Maybe the only difference, and this wasn't, you know, this was, I think, wasn't it Phil's idea to, for everyone to write lyrics? Whatever. It's like, you know, maybe that would have changed and James would have written the lyrics. But I mean, I, I don't think it would have ultimately helped the the quality of the songs. And they may not have survived that time without Bob. Yeah, They exactly. may not have come through it. And so that's that's my biggest point is they needed they needed that glue to keep them together he to have a, a friendly face to not have to deal with somebody new and he yeah and and he, a, he and was a new bassist yeah and he wasn't in the place to do the black album thing with them right where like he's gonna he was really more like a dad and a friend mm-hmm. instead of like a kind of a hard-nosed producer that's like hey these songs aren't good yeah that snare doesn't sound good you know normally a producer will makes will fight for those kinds of sonic things but i think at that point he understood like we're fighting for something a lot bigger than just the way this album sounds mm-hmm um and it's i maintain it's the worst album ever made by such a great band yeah for sure and it's not just the snare it's not just that they recorded it through a shitty pa it's not just that bob was kind of relegated to bass player and co-therapy buddy Mm -hmm. it's all of it yeah Yeah, it's the lyrics it's the music it's their the copy and paste feeling of it the sort of aa nature of it very raw nerve they were not in fighting shape no no they were fighting they were fighting to survive those songs are just all over the place the structure of those songs, they they go on too long. Yeah. It's like they didn't know how to stop the song or end it. So they're like, well, let's just do another verse or let's do another chorus. We'll, well just add on another chorus. And I'm like, why does this song keep going? Yeah. And and the songs feel you know insanely longer when you're omitting any guitar solos too. Mm-hmm. It's just like this riff goes on for X amount of time. It's like, well, there could be some cool melodic lead thing happening right there mm-hmm. but that was not the case on that record so and it's just so ugly sounding which i get like you're able in retrospect they're able to like justify and be like well we wanted to make an ugly sounding record blah mm-hmm. blah blah. but what you get at the end of that day other than the survival metallica which we all agree is important is an ugly sounding record yeah for sure and i i tend to like beautiful sounding records i got saint anger load and reload the other day I saw that on, on vinyl and i listened to saint anger first and then i put on load and it was just like just my ears like sonically it sounded so different when i when load started you mm-hmm. know yeah just after hearing saint anger saying is very harsh yeah it's a hard listen for sure you live it or lie it you live it or lie it would you like to read the next email yes hey clint ethan i love you guys show you're funny incredibly informative and i've emailed you guys a few times and you've always responded very quickly It was a very Merry Christmas at my house. I received my first turntable from my parents, and my wife and brother-in-law teamed up to buy me vinyl copies of Ride the Lightning, 
Master Puppets, and Justice for All, and the Black Album. Quite a haul. Yeah. I had wanted to get into vinyl for a while now, and after hearing you guys sing its praises and talk about how fulfilling an experience it is, you won me over. So, long story short, you guys deserve a piece of my gratitude for helping convince me to get into vinyl record collecting. I already grabbed the debut Rage Against the Machine album, and my dad gave me an old copy of Van Halen's 1984 that still sounds great, so the collection is already starting to fill out. Obviously, Kill 'Em All is pretty high on my priority list, and same with S&M. Since you guys are longtime musicians and vinyl lovers, have any suggestions to get the maximum enjoyment out of it? Thanks. Long live Metallica. Wade Harley. Well, congrats, Wade Harley. That's pretty exciting to get your first turntable, get your vinyl collection started. Um, any suggestions to get them a maximum enjoyment out of it? I would say a good set of headphones. Hmm, that's a good suggestion. You know, a good set of headphones. I mean, you know, you can get something or maybe around a hundred bucks that will be will do the trick. It's nothing like sitting down with the with your fav- one of your favorite records and putting old cans on the head mm-hmm. and just drifting off. You're fairly new to it too, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. what do you think? What's your experience been? Um, buy your favorite records that are albums that you love, like ninety percent of that record. Yeah. I've found that like I've I've bought a couple albums here and there. Uh, the Police is one of the bands. Easy, where, easy. Well, <laughs> look, I love their hits, love them. <laughs> but then you get the album and you hear the songs in between that weren't hits, and I'm just kind of like, mm, I don't really want. I I might not listen to this again for a long time. Yeah. But if it's an album that I know, like every song, and I love every song or most of them. That's for me, that would be my advice to start out with. Yeah, there's two sides of the coin, too, because well, it, you can because on the other hand, it, it yeah. forces you to maybe investigate well deeper cuts that you might not have mm-hmm. checked out. That's something that I've found with like Black Sabbath and Zeppelin the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like I'm super familiar with all their radio shit. But then you put on the album and I hear these songs I've never heard and I'm blown away. Yeah. So I always I had the experience as a kid listening to tapes and CDs being on long drives to visit my dad my parents were divorced where i just had to suffer through the songs that didn't mm-hmm. that didn't stick out to me at first and almost invariably those songs would become some of my favorites yeah, right i just have a lifelong relationship with deep cuts yeah and i think vinyl is a really good force for that but i agree i mean when you start you should get records that you absolutely love right sure. as i'm gonna say to start out yeah get some get some of your favorites I remember the first record I ever got that wasn't like shit my dad gave me before I had a record player. Like I remember growing up as a kid, like I had the Thriller record, no record player, yeah. but I would just sit in my closet and mm-hmm. just look at like him <laughs> laying down with a tiger and shit. <laughs> yeah. Just like, what is going on? You know? But the first record anyone ever gave me was Drew Holcomb, who's a musician in town. He gave me a copy of Born to Run. Mm. This was in 2006. He just had an extra copy. You can get Born to Run for like six bucks anywhere. Yeah. And I'd gotten a shitty cheap record player and some speakers. And that was the only record I had. And then I, mean, I think that maybe the first 50 pieces I put together, it took me a long time that mm-hmm. first year or two. And it was just all 10 out of 10 records for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like my favorites by far for the exact reasons that you're describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, you know, that's, that's obviously great advice, you know, and I'm still kind of doing that. I'll go through my Discogs account and think like, well, man. I don't have this certain record by this band that I love or whatever. But another good thing, if you want to try to maybe discover other cool music you haven't heard of, or maybe you know one song by a band, is just start browsing the like dollar and two dollar bins because you can walk out of a record store, spend ten bucks, and get five or so records. And maybe maybe the cover looks cool, or maybe you know one song. You're like, well, I want to hear the rest of them, even if it's in maybe kind of beat up shape. 
you know, you could at least, you know, dip your toes in and see what you're missing. I'm at a phase now where I have around a thousand pieces. I have most of my favorite records. So now I'm at a point where I've been getting and searching and waiting for like good represses Mm -hmm. that are clean, previously unowned, that sound good. Yeah, for sure. Where I'm not chasing that like, you know, thrift store. Oh, look at this copy of whatever the fuck. Billy Joel's Nylon Curtain original pressing that sounds like someone took a shit on it right yeah for sure i mean i still you know and, and you'll get you know you'll get used to like looking at, con- at conditions of records and being like okay that's a little surface scratching but it's nothing's too deep clean it up whatever um but yeah i mean there's just like brad said i mean the best thing to do is just start buying your favorite records when you when you got the cash Ooh! all right next email next email is from holger Hello, Clint Nathan, and let's say Brad. How are you doing? I'm, I hope you're doing well. This morning, I had my pre-sale experience for the upcoming tour. Two things that bugged the hell out of me, and I wonder if you, if you agree or not. Number one, back in 1992, I was lucky enough to attend one of the two uh, Stuttgart shows from the Snake Pit. How did I get there? I won a contest uh, in, a, in the German Hotel Metal Hammer magazine. So the German, German Hotel? hotel. <laughs> yeah, where German Hotel. From? I don't know where that came from. Uh, in the German Metal Hammer magazine. Uh, three questions which I didn't consider as difficult, but you definitely had to be a fan and know about the boys. For example, my classmate back then, also a fan, didn't know the answer to the question regarding the Grammys. So you had to do something, or in this case, know your stuff to have the, priv- the privilege to experience this. Nowadays, you probably noticed that all you have to do is get in the snake pit is to pay, is to pay cash. Uh, as long as you have deep pockets, you're in. Isn't this the equivalent to send me money, send me green, heaven you will meet? Uh, am I the only one who was upset by this? If you don't have the money, sorry. Wouldn't that be uh, called two-class society or whatever? I, I could afford this, but my, eight, but my 18-year-old me couldn't. Uh, and I wonder what this must be like for young people today. Hey, mom, got 800 bucks to see Metallica? I'll admit that I don't know if fifth members can get uh, in there without paying, in case, uh, but in case I'll shut up. Uh, as far as the pre-sale procedures look like, it doesn't seem so. Uh, it says rock and roll, the music from the streets or whatever, more and more becoming more affordable for wealthy people. Uh, and I think here in Europe, it's still moderate compared to the States. Metallica has been going against the grain for so long. Uh, and, and then in their elderly years, uh, wealthy beyond good and bad, they started doing those things, VIP, VIP, VIP tickets, selling beer, whiskey and shit. Uh, just like everybody else has been, has done for, for years. I don't consider myself a naive person. I know in which world we live, live in. And there are no record sales anymore, and they're a big company with employees, but still. And then number two, access to shows with only uh, only with a smartphone. Uh, people without yes, the people exist uh, have no possibility to see these shows. WTF? You have you have to fulfill certain requirements in your personal life to see a concert. What's next? Uh, what's your take on this? Do you agree uh, that I, I I don't have nor need want or care for certain electronic device in my life to see a concert, uh, or is or is it too bad? It's twenty twenty two. I have to admit and not be in a, oh, sorry, I have, I have to adapt and not be a freak. All the best, Holger. Well, um, yeah, I mean, as far as like, I mean, charging Norman leg for certain things, they have the $7,000 thing with the private little stage thing for you to yourself, snake pit stuff, all that stuff gets expensive. Um, I mean, well, he's of- talking specifically about the idea that the snake pit used to be free, right? And now they're basically saying that we're, we're opening this up to a premium price. So yeah. he's talking about the philosophy of Metallica changing. Right. The electronic thing, yeah, that's just the way of the world. You're going to have to use your phone to get in. I don't, everything's going to go paperless. That's not a big deal. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, kids don't listen to them anymore. 
Now, yeah. I know everyone thinks that they were on Stranger Things and now a million kids are going to like Metallica, but that's not going to happen. So right. a band like Metallica that's been around for 40 years, their fans aren't teenagers. Mm -hmm. Their fans are people our age. People our age generally, the three of us notwithstanding, <laughs> have money, have consistency, have more wealth. I mean, it's what happened with Kiss. You're able to charge 45 to 65 year old fans more money because yeah. generally speaking, those people's lives are more uh, solidified financially. Mm -hmm. And it's a business. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, I think it's okay to be bummed about it. I don't think it's the leper. The leper messiah thing is about religion. It's about people who, who pretend to have access to knowledge that they don't have and try to uh, grift money from people and promise them eternal reward. Right. Yeah. I don't think that's what this is. Yeah. I mean, I get the correlation, but I would probably put those in two different columns. Sure. I think leper messiah is still meaningful. I don't think they're hypocrites for singing it because that's really more about religion. But yeah. I mean, I do think it's kind of a bummer. It just doesn't upset me. I yeah, mean, it's sure. just, it kind of just is the thing. Yeah. And I, and I guess too, you know, like, you know, having been in this industry for so long, you know, when you see bands grow, it's like, you know, the costs grow, you know, like you're not going to ever pay the same price you paid to see Metallica when they were on the Justice Tour or even the Black Album Tour. You know, the, the production's bigger, the opener's maybe bigger. Um, there's more mouths to feed, more people to pay on tours like that. The crews get bigger. You know, so and which is true, but even if it weren't that, I mean, it's really just supply and demand. Yeah, they're going to charge what the market, what the market is demanding for them. Mm -hmm. So your issue really isn't even with Metallica; it's just with kind of a capitalistic system. Yeah, they're not going to say, "Well, I'm rich; let's just charge twenty bucks." I mean, Pearl Jam kind of tried to do a version of that. How much were Pearl Jam tickets this last time around? Um, uh, one twenty. Where does that fall? Were people upset about that, or is there any pushback in the Pearl Jam community about? Uh, not a lot. There's always going to be a couple people that complain about the the prices, like, oh, I paid twenty dollars and ninety five to see them. <laughs> yeah, and but cool. that was those comments were few and far between. Yeah. Well, in the comment about like, well, are kids going to be able to see this? Well, they're not. And but I don't think Metallica is trying to market to kids. Yeah, I think they'd love to have Second Life and have kids care about metal music the way that they did in the eighties. I just don't see it. Mm -hmm. Now I know there are kids out there who like it. I'm not. Of course, I'm yeah. not making a black and white statement here, but I'm saying in general, Metallica's fans have grown old with them. Yes. And that's what's happening to Kiss. You know, you got Kiss selling stage used microphones and stage used basses where they'll go ding, 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 and then they'll sell a bass for $10,000. Right. Yeah. And every time they do a tour on the forums where I lurk, people are butthurt because in their minds, it's still like 1977 and everyone's yeah. like 18 again. Right. And it's just not the world. No, it's, it's definitely not, you know, I mean, and, and it's just, you know, economics too. It's like, you know, inflation happens throughout time. I mean, it's like when your grandma used to say, well, I used to pay five cents a gallon for mm -hmm. gas. It's like, well, yeah, that'd be great if we could still do that, right. but we just can't. I do think it's lame that they are not giving away the snake pit. Are, uh, yeah. Is that true though? I, Cause I thought when they announced this, there was talk about this, this thing. And I thought they said there are going to be a limited number of snake pit passes. Well, I guess given I, out. I guess I just mean that it's not exclusively a fifth member free a contest. Okay. That it's they basically said, that well, there's a there's a value, there's a premium to this, and mm -hmm. we're going to just start charging it, and people right. are going to pay it. Yeah. On the Worldwide tour, people were upset that there was a twenty five hundred dollar meet and greet mm -hmm. because they used to do the meet and greets for free, and now it's it's just the logical conclusion of that. I mean, mm -hmm. it's seven grand, right? And it's going to be more next time if they do it next time. I mean, it's that trend I don't see changing, right? Yeah, and their personal wealth doesn't even matter. It's just, it's just the business of it. It's yeah, just all the, sure. it's all the incentives and pressures of the market, and 
that's just something we all have to deal with, you know? Yeah. And I would say even on the M72 tour, I mean, it's, it's, it's a limited amount of shows even compared to the hardwired tour. Right. So now are they going to end up doing more, you know, extend this album cycle? Maybe, but from what they have announced so far, it's what, like 25 shows Mm -hmm. or something like that. So it's not a lot. So that's kind of the thing too, that that kind of comes back to supply and demand. You know, it's like, there's not a lot of those shows, so you can charge a little bit more for the different amenities at those shows. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm curious about what you think about this too. You okay? You need a water or anything? I'm good. I had a little scratch in my throat. I'm curious what you think about this. I mean, I think that with the, all the excitement of the new album, which I want to hear what your thoughts are about the new song and all this, like most exciting times since Hardwire was announced. Mm-hmm. But I do think they're ramping down. They're playing less shows than ever. Right. They are putting out a new album, but their new album does seem to be a bit of a swan song philosophically. The 72, 72 seasons, the first 18 years of your life, who you've become, was it all mean? Very on brand with James, right? Mm-hmm. They're getting older. Uh, I think they're shoring up. I think they're charging. I think they're getting every fucking dollar that they right. can. Because they may not be able to make this kind of money in the next 15 years. Right. And, you know, they're wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. But it's not like they have bills. They have expenses. Right. It's not like they're living in frugally. They And their shit's probably not all liquid either. They've got homes. They've got investments. They've got whatever the fuck they're into. And they've got families they want to take care of. So if... If you're used to making, I mean, I'm going to start making up numbers, but this is just for example. If you're a machine like Metallica, and let's say James Hetfield is used to making $10 million a year. That's his nut. Mm-hmm. That's been his nut since 1995. Anywhere from 5 to $15 million a year. And you're looking down the barrel of, you're about to turn 63, 65, maybe not a lot of touring going on. That's going to suck down to what? $2 million a year? Yeah. Off of what? Business investments? Well, the difference between $8 million and $2 million for a rich guy is a pretty big deal. Sure. When you're thinking about the bills you pay, the mortgage on your 10 homes, your fucking car collection, and securing your family's uh, you know, future. Right. So I think they're sure enough. That's what do you guys think? I I I'm in agreement with that. I, I think I think they're kind of entering those twilight years of 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 being a band and touring and they're gonna tour smarter than ever for, for what what they see as smart. You know, it's like, well, we can't we can't break our backs anymore. We can't go out and do a black album tour again. Mm-hmm. Ever. Right. You know, and so it's gonna be the most comfortable it can be for those guys because you know i mean kirk just turned 60 recently i think he's the oldest so i mean those you know it's like and they're playing physically demanding music right so they just they can't do it as as they used to unfortunately what do you think brad i agree i mean with all of james's health stuff over the years it seems like they like they can't do a black album tour you know so to play these weekend shows for a couple months and then that's it till the next year. And then just doing weekend shows again. <clears throat> you need some water? I got some. <laughs> it doesn't seem like they're not going to ramp back up to even like a hardwired tour. You yeah. know? Yeah. I'm curious to see how the tour is going to sell. I'm curious to see how it's going to sell and I'm curious to see that, you know, once maybe we get into the into 2024, if they start announcing like other stuff. And now we're going to do an arena run, kind of like they did in the hardwired tour. I don't know if I see that happening, but. I mean, we'll see. They're basically doing a country tour schedule now, just weekends. <laughs> and I think, you know, we've talked about this. I'm going to try to put a, a more um, a more bright little button on this. I think that we're just moving into, as a fandom, a place where we're just popping that water over there. <laughs> just thinking of I'm that trying to be truck going off the hill. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think we're moving into a place of just being grateful that they're still out there doing mm-hmm. stuff. And hopefully the album's good. Yeah. And as far as like tickets and ticket prices go, if you want to go and see them, you can get a ticket for like 150 bucks 
Now, are you going to be in the snake pit? No. Right. But you're going to be there. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in the room. And with the in the round thing, pretty much any seat is is still decent. Right. It's not like you're on in one end zone and the the stage is in the other end zone. We went and saw the Cowboys play at AT&T Stadium where they're going to be playing in Arlington. Mm-hmm. And that stadium is so amazing. We did not have good seats. We bought the tickets the day before. We went on Christmas Eve and it was a big game. And it was a beautiful experience. Right. And we bought, you know, we were we were maybe 10 rows from the very top of the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So hopefully the venues I can mean, help if you, with that. I mean, if you can afford 150 bucks or whatever it is for the cheap seats for yeah. two nights, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's pretty good. Now, if you are in a position where you can pay 500 bucks or 1000 for Snake Pit, more power to you. But it's not, it's like you said, like, yeah, I'd love to be able to afford Snake Pit, but I can't. Yeah. But that's okay. I, I can afford to go see them. I'm going to have cheaper seats, you know. I mean, it's like with anything in, in different tiers of quality. It's like, would I like to buy a $10,000 <laughs> 335 or Explorer or something? Sure. Yeah. I can't afford that. So I'm going to buy what my budget allows me to, mm-hmm. and I'm going to enjoy that. I think what Holger is feeling pain about is that it, it Metallica has changed. Yeah. Yeah. A punk-rooted metal band from the Bay Area who themselves were poor schlubs, except for maybe Lars becoming this big machine is painful mm-hmm. but that's life yeah right that's, that's just life yeah and I, th- I mean i think that machine you know was getting built a long time ago yeah you know this doesn't this isn't like a new thing so give me fuel give me fire give me that which i desire Ooh. all right bobby and ann this is the last team says what's up brothers in the latest episode you mentioned about wanting to have some new music recommendations therefore not sure if this metal up your podcast related or personal but one thought i had about the future of lunar satan for the next record to separate it out from your solo efforts is to be something akin to Holy Fawn. Anyone know what that is? I don't know. No. In terms of building beautiful layers with the wall of sound method, which creates the intensity in lieu of pure riffing, their new album, Dimensional Bleed, has been one of my favorites recently, with my favorite song probably being Death is a Relief. Great album for the late night listens in the bunk with cans on. Wanted to say sorry I've been so busy, not able to provide a recording for the episode 300, but wanted to thank you again for the Lunar Satan Q&A as that was obviously my favorite episode for purely selfish purposes. Me and Bobby did like a Q&A about Lunar Satan. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I'd love to do the same thing for Going Supernova. Therefore, let me know in November. Yeah, me and I, I, I meant to take this part out of the email, but me and Bobby are going to be doing that for my new record. P.S. Thanks, Clint, for the shout out on the A to Z podcast. Bobby Anand. Well, I'll have to check out uh, Holy Fawn. Holy Fawn. Mm-hmm. With their just, album Dimensional Bleed. I just that, added them. That might be something that <laughs> might be a good listen while you're rolling down the mountain. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pull up a song and put it in the uh, microphone. Yeah, let's 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 do a little, uh, little quick. What song did he say? Quick he, he said, "Death is a relief." Death is a relief. Oh, yeah, rolling down that hill. I can tell you, Bobby, I've already written three of the next Lunar Satan songs, and they don't sound anything like that. They sound more like Lunar Satan. <laughs> Lunar Satan is a metal band. It's a metal band. I mean, yeah. that, that had a cool sound. I mean, Very cool sound. Reminded me of Chelsea Wolfe. Well, it's it's it describes them as hard rock, so I'm assuming it gets heavier than that. Songs are probably pretty long then, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. They have these big, big, kind of ambient, droney, heavy intros. 
What are you listening to, Brad? That's interesting. Uh, West. What was this? Westmore. Mount Westmore. Mount Westmore. Yeah. Tell me about isn't Mount that Westmore. The, isn't that the Ice Cube tour? Yeah. It's it's Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, E Forty, and Too Short. It just came out, but it sounds like. 1993 wait they did a record for yeah really yeah i didn't know this it sounds like 1993 west coast rap hell yeah it's awesome i remember one of the tapes that i had that my mom found that she made me get rid of was life is too short yeah that's pretty controversial stuff for a kid oh yeah there was a lot of i mean i remember when someone first played me nwa i was just like oh my god like i can't take this home (laughs) no way like my parents are already concerned about metallica and anthrax and shit but yeah I, i wouldn't be caught dead with a Especially like that gangster rap stuff back in the day. Yeah. I had to hide that real good. So you're listening to early 90s gangster rap. Mm-hmm. What else is going on? <laughs> uh, the new Bayside single mm-hmm. is awesome. What's that called? Go to hell. Go to hell? Yeah. <laughs> Come into um, my house and tell me that. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> um, I don't know. Lots of Metallica. Listening to a lot of Metallica. Yeah. What era are you can? I know you're a big Justice guy. Um, yeah, Justice. Do you like the new I, song? Yeah. Love it. What do you think this new album is going to be like? Hopefully it's like Lux Eterna. Yeah. But you never know. What do you think about the whole 72 seasons, the whole uh, first 18 years of your life? Yeah. When when they announced the album title, I was like, this is kind of weird. But then when you read what James is describing it as, I was like, oh, yeah. Now I get it. And you're kind of, I know that you like a lot of a lot of the eras of Metallica, but you definitely are a first big four. Yeah. I found, I found like an original pressing of justice for like 30 bucks because it had some water damage to the, to the, like in the title or not in the title, in the logo. Oh, cause normally those go for like 60 bucks. That's like the cheapest price, but this one was like 30. So that's your favorite. That's your favorite one, right? Yeah. Are you noticing a difference in the press? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) I took the green one. And like I'd play side A, and then I'd put side B of the green one on, and then side C of the the OG press, and they sound almost exactly the same. I yeah. mean, I, I but think, I got lucky that it's the OG one sounds great. Yeah. It's not all scratched. The the vinyl looks fucking perfect. Great. It's just there's a little bit in the E and the T. I submit to you both that if you gave us the all blind taste test, I think we would not really win a lot of shootouts mm-hmm. on those issues. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm not a I'm not a vinyl collector that ever buys multiple pressings of right. one thing. I'm not either, except like I want yeah. I want to get as many copies of Justice as I can. I have yeah. the box that I've got the green one and now I've got this eighty eight yeah. pressing. Well to go back to one of the previous emails about enjoying being a, a collector or just enjoying your vinyl. That's another layer that you get mm-hmm. to. Right. And you really are only going to do that, presumably, if they're your most favorite records. Or there's something real weird or different. Like this, the OG Justice, the sleeves have the lyric sheets on them, where the, the box set, or just if you, the green one doesn't have those, the sleeves aren't like that. They're just basic white sleeves. I mean, aren't there like 30 different pressings of that record? There's a, there's a, because you've got all the European stuff. Uh, I don't go. I don't go that crazy. Okay, USA. just the US. USA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because yeah. I'll see, I'll see collectors that'll have like fifty yeah. versions of Lightning. Yeah, yeah. I can't do all. They'll get that. the French one and the German one and the. Netherlands. I do have the the eighty eight reissue of Kill 'Em All that mm-hmm. has Blitzkrieg mm-hmm. and, and Am I Evil. And that's, see, that's see, that's a good one to that's, have. Yeah. Like if you're gonna buy a second copy of the same record, like maybe there's that version right. that was like they had the two bonus tracks. On. Right. So that's because cool. that was the original way I heard it. <clears throat> yeah same you need some I water th- i thought that's how it <laughs> i thought that was the album you guys have covid 
Mm-hmm. You guys okay? I'm getting over pneumonia. Oh, good. Just talk so. a little more into that mic for me. <laughs> I will do that with Metallica when I saw like those Walmart variants. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have all those records. I have doubles right. or triples of some of them. But well, like I got when I got into collecting like two years ago. Now I bought a puppets, and it's just it's just like a 2012 pressing. Yeah, the or blackened, something. the blackened press. So I didn't get the Walmart one because I don't need every copy mm-hmm. of all these albums. So. I think the way they get us too is like it's just variants, you know. You look mm-hmm. at like the, one of the ones I'm thinking of that's a really cool color is the Walmart version of um, Garage Inc. It's that cool kind of teal mm-hmm. color, really really cool yeah. looking thing. And and you know, as a collector, you're like, ooh, I I might need that color. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, hang on a second, <laughs> it's the same songs, right? You know, so like occasionally, you know, like you know, we got hooked up with like the Lakers variant of the Last Chili Peppers record. Like that's cool to have. But um, yeah, I'm not one to go out and like seek that stuff out. Like, oh, I need to get a, another double of this or whatever. Right. I'll do it if it's the right band. Yeah. Well, because I do have the thing where when it's out of print, I'm like, fuck, I should have gotten it because I can't afford the $7,000 platform experience, but I can afford a $30 record. Right. Yeah. And when they're gone, they're gone. I mean, I got that all within my hands gig from um, Great Escape. Yeah. For like 30 bucks. And now it's just fucking gone. I mean, it's just hard to get. Mm-hmm. And when I was piecing together the live from Webster Hall and the I got the Webster Hall one when it was on sales again, like 30 bucks. But when I got the House of Van show, which is a lesser set list, 100 bucks. Mm. But there's something because it's Metallica. Like yeah. any of my top right. 10 bands, I do feel the pool. I mean, I have all the box sets. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I think I have three different variants of 10 Pearl Jam's 10. I only have two. I have. Do you have an OG of that? No, I did. I, I have the re, I have the remix one that came with. Yeah, the tan colored. It's cover tan colored. I got com- that one, and then I have a purple one that Target put out a few years See, ago. See, I wanted to get that one too because it had the original <laughs> cover. But that one was like seventeen bucks. Exactly. So I'm like, yeah, of course I'll buy a purple one. Which you one know? do you put on? The purple one. I or know. Never- well, I like the. I like the remixed. I've only listened to it one time. <clears throat> That's the, re- That's the Redux. The re- Redux? Yeah. 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 I prefer that over the original one. Really? Which is crazy because I, usually I wouldn't. Any other album I've heard that's remixed, I like to hear the way it sounded that's 20 how years I, ago. That's how I felt. But mm-hmm. there's something about that Redux 10. It just sounds sounds better. The only thing I've ever done that with are these new Beatles mixes. Yeah. But I will say some of them are pretty hit and miss. There's some changes that i don't like mm-hmm. like there's a um i'm talking about the giles martin remixes of the Beatles shit right and like there's a few weird edits like i was listening to the white album the other night and there's like some weird shit on while my guitar gently weeps and i'm like i don't dig it i don't know why they made some of those changes really yeah. takes you out of it yeah but i love having them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well because you have those nights where you want to put on some different shit right yeah and they've done a really good job of making all those box sets really attractive to uh fans they're not just to say that you can put it in your discogs. There's like they come with books and yeah, for sure demos and alternate takes and stuff. Yeah, what's your most uh, prized piece of vinyl? Mm. Not even only monetarily, but like I have a an a day to remember album that I got, and it just said on the hype sticker, it just said like colored vinyl. I was like, oh, cool. And then I opened it because I'm thinking it's just going to be like a solid purple or a solid blue. And it's like like all different crazy colors. Not crazy, but it's a mix. I guess they call it burst, like sunburst or something. But it's purple and white and red and blue. Like splatter? 
Yeah, I was it's not a splatter. Hmm. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to describe. Why is it your most prized piece? Because when I opened it and I saw what it looked like, that it wasn't just a solid color, and it's not even splatter. It's it's like all mixed. So it's prized to you because it's rare. Was it expensive? Is it one of your favorite it was, records? It was like yeah, it's expensive. If you go on Discogs, it's probably like seventy, eighty dollars, and I got it for like twenty five bucks in Birmingham. Where? Um, C six. C six. C six. Yeah, it's a good store. Yeah, yeah. just because I just you know you don't find their records a lot in a record store, and I was like, oh cool, and then I saw it was colored, and I was like, oh that's even better, and then I opened it, and it looks like crazy. Hmm. Yeah, but that one. Probably kill them all. The eighty-eight one. Uh, yeah, well, that's a cool piece. I don't <clears throat> have that. That is cool. Yeah, the Justice box set obviously is yeah. fucking amazing. That's the best box set I think, in terms of what it all came with. Yeah, that's the one I got the most enjoyment out right. of. Right. I think we did twenty-five episodes on that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's one that I'll actually get out and play with, like yeah. by myself. Yeah. Um, my most valuable one's probably the Puppets box set, but yeah. I don't pull it out. What about you? What's your most prized piece? Uh, as far as like monetary value, is the Guns N' Roses Live Era mm-hmm. that they put out in like '99, I think. I bought it for twenty bucks at Tower Records on West End here in Nashville in like the year I moved here, and people pay like eight hundred dollars for yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's insane. crazy. I never knew until like I I really like at one point maybe five years ago redid my entire collection on discogs and i think i had that entered wrong i was like oh my god <laughs> uh i think one of my most prized one it, it's also uh valuable um that's kind of irrelevant but to the to the love of the record but is a uh, self-titled allison chains mm-hmm. tripod people call it mm-hmm. um that's a pretty cool one um it's a joe strummer solo record that i have i now have all of his solo records my wife got me the they re- released like a little box set of his three solo records and a bunch of r- cool photo book and all this stuff i'm not a big box set guy but that was important to me but i have his last record that they finished after he passed away is called street core really really cool record it's my favorite one of his solo records and uh, i remember buying that fairly brand new i think uh so i I really love that record put that one a lot a guy reached out to me recently who he said hey i've got this copy of this dave matthews record called before these crowded streets oh yeah which is my favorite dave matthews it's generally considered their masterpiece 1997's before these crowded streets and he said, uh, I've got a copy of this, but I don't I don't really care for Dave Matthews, but I know you love them. And I think I heard you mention you don't have it. Would you like it? And I had the little angel on my shoulder and the little devil on my shoulder because I know that that record is extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. 800 bucks to 1,000 bucks. Right. They only press like 1,000 of them. It's never been repressed. And at this point, it looks like it might not ever get repressed because they were doing these 20-year anniversaries and they kind of skipped that one. Some people think it was because of the whole Boyd Tinsley sexual allegations thing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, do I tell him that it's valuable mm-hmm. or do I just say thank you for thinking of me? Here's <laughs> right. my address. So I ended up telling him, I said, hey, man, I just want you. I would love to take it. I really appreciate it. But I just want you to know that record is really valuable. So and he'd said that a friend kind of gave it to him or something. And he was like, man, thank you for letting me know. I'm going to let my friend know because he may want it back. And I kind of thought, well, that's kind of a bummer, but also a good deed mm-hmm. doing yeah. a good thing there. He hit me up like two weeks ago. And he was like, hey, I talked to my friend. He doesn't want it either. I'm just going to give it to you. Oh, for real? Yeah. I, see, I've, I've not awesome. heard this follow-up because I feel like we talked about this months ago. Yeah. He followed up. It was longer than two weeks ago, but it was recently. And he was like, he's going to, uh, we're playing in Chicago where he lives. He's yeah. like, I don't want to mail it because it's sure valuable, but he's, you know, he's going to be on the guest list and he's going to bring it to me. Well, dude, that's exciting. That's pretty cool. Is Clint Wells going to be there? Uh, Doesn't he live in Chicago? Yeah. Cl- oh, my. Yeah. You're, you're, my doppelganger. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I quit trying to reach out to him. 
because he let me down too many times. Yeah. I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again because it's Tangent City and it's an interesting story. There's another guy named Clint Wells. And when I was 10, 15 years ago, I was getting a kick out of finding the other Clint Wellses and trying to become their friends. <laughs> because I think it's interesting that yeah, we have the totally. same name. That's something I would do. So I found this guy and he's Clint underscore Wells on Instagram. So I would like lightly jab him about getting the underscore because I got the Clint Wells. Yeah. And I would call him Clint underscore Wells. And I would say, you know, I would write messages to him. That's like, Hey, do you ever look out at the window and wonder if we're looking at the same moon? <laughs> and he is very much not like me. He's into bodybuilding. He's a runner and he's extremely religious. All the things that I'm not. Yeah. But I kept reaching out to him and making these jokes. And he's a very dry sense of humor. He's a very uptight seeming kind of guy. And anytime I played Chicago, I put him on whatever guest list of whatever venue I was at. <laughs> I love it. And I would always say, hey, uh, you're on the guest list. Plus, I would always give him 10 tickets. Wow. Oh my God. I gave him 10 <laughs> tickets every time. I would say, hey, you're on the guest list plus nine. You know what name it's under, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did this for fucking years. Yeah. And he never That's crazy. And he never responded. And the last time I reached out to him was I was playing Park West, which you just mentioned seeing mm -hmm. Henry Rollins there. Yeah. And I put the volley out to him. I said, hey, you're on the guest list plus nine. See you there. Shows at seven, whatever. Come on the bus. Have a drink. I would love to. We're both Clint Wells. Yeah. Yeah. And he wrote back and he said, hey, are you being serious? Because I really am going to get a group of people and come to the show. Like, I know you've always invited me for years and I'm really sorry. I've never taken you up on it. But if you're being serious, I will definitely come to the show tonight. I'm free. My wife wants to come and I've got a group of buddies that I think would like to see Bob Schneider, whatever the fuck. Yeah. And I said, dude, I am dead serious. I have left your name at will call every time I have told you. I have never fucking lied about it. I and, love this. And I would love to meet you. So I told our tour manager, Ted, I said, dude, it's happening, man. Clint Wells is coming. Clint fucking Wells is coming. <laughs> and I was getting the sense that a, you know, a beautiful friendship was dawning. And I told our tour manager, I told the whole band. I told everyone like, hey, I'm probably going to be having some company on the bus tonight. It's a little guy named Clint Wells. <laughs> and he never showed. And that was the last time I ever reached out never, to him. Well, I mean, I feel like he got your hopes up a little too high that last time. Like, Well, that, he's full of shit. Well, he was saying he was available. His wife wanted to come. He's going to be a group of friends together. He'd love to see Bob Schneider play. Like, I mean, that sounds like, hey, he's coming. Mm -hmm. I can't beg him to be my friend. No. I, I can't, you know, I can't. Part of growing up and, and uh, maturing is understanding what you can't control right and i had to let him go what if the next move is anytime we play chicago with morgan wade as we will this spring is that you message him and tell him he's not invited yeah no he's dead to me i want you to know we're playing chicago and you're not gonna be on the guest no, list. i mean you can reach out to him but well, uh, i'm not gonna reach out i to haven't him. reached out to him in like seven years if i'm gonna reach out to anybody that's gonna be another ethan look <laughs> the last time the last time i talked to him was like well, that that show was like 2014 yeah wow yeah well, you blew it, Clint Wells. We didn't, I think the listeners need to reach out. Please don't. <laughs> I mean, you can if you want. Just send him an audio of this story. I, but here's what I'm saying: like, I've moved on. I have no desire to see right. him. Yeah, you know what I mean. He Wait, he broke my what heart. About a new Clint Wells. There's got to be a third. I found all about ten of them. Yeah. The only reason that he stuck is because he was active. Yeah. He would. He would like the other Clint Wells is like dead accounts. Yeah. Like okay. who knows what happened to them. They're probably living some similar parallel fate to me. They probably have a Metallica podcast, actually. Mm -hmm. But no one, but I, and I DM'd all of them, but he was active. Like I could see that he would see them and yeah. then he would post pictures of like marathons he was running and he would like like my shit. We started following mm. each other. So it just felt like there was a thread. Okay. It's a mystery, but I, I do want to reiterate I don't want anyone to 
Yeah, I shouldn't. I don't. I'm not looking. I've moved on. I've just moved on. It's been a long time, man. It's okay. Well, I don't beg people to love me. You made the right call. I think I did. I mean, I had to put myself first. You know, it's like when you're in an airplane and they're like, "Hey, if the oxygen mask come down, put them on yourself first before you put them on your kids." Yeah, that's what I had to do. Little thing called self care. That's right. Little thing called self love. You know what that's like? Oh yeah. That's what. That's what. That's to see that car outside. I was going to say that's what your motorcycle is all about. (laughs) Yeah, that too. Yeah, that's right. You can't help other people unless you help yourself first. Right. I was going to ask Brad. Have you ever looked up if there's other Brad Blazics out there? I think I have. Maybe on MySpace. Yeah. Wow. Taking it back. Two hundred years ago. Yeah. And And they were out there, but no one. I mean, I think there was one guy that I like messaged. Yeah. Like, LOL. I'm Brad Blazik too. And yeah. then that was it. The thing that really offends me about it is I f- really feel like I'm a cool guy. And I feel like if a guy as cool as me was reaching out to me, I would have enjoyed that interaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, I mean, there's a, you know, it was pearls before swine. If you guys are familiar with that biblical phrase, it was a waste of my good graces. Right. And I was texting my friend, Aaron Schaefer, who has been on this podcast before. We did an episode called The Memory Lane Remains. He was in my Metallica band with me when I was a kid. And he kept up with everybody from high school. And every like six months, I'll just blow his ass up. And I'm like, what happened to this person? What happened to this person? And I'll just go down this Rolodex of people we went to high school with. Yeah. And I was doing that this morning. And I realized I'm turning 40 this year. And I have never given a fuck about keeping up with people from mm-hmm. high school. I have never given a hot fuck. I've been getting friend requests since I've left high school. Mm-hmm. Always decline them. I've just never been interested in seeing what people's kids. I just don't have it. But I have really started to become interested really? interested in these people. Yeah, I think it's like a midlife crisis thing. Huh. And this morning, I mean, I, I, was th- I threw like 50 names at him. Yeah. And we, I don't know what this is like for you guys. You guys are a little older than me. But we live in this weird limbo where my generation and my class, a lot of them didn't get on social media. Yeah. We graduated in 2001. Social media didn't really become a thing until like 2005 or six. And so like I was just, I was looking everyone up on Instagram. No one's on there. Yeah. Mm. A lot of uh, friends I had in high school aren't on Instagram, but they're all on Facebook. Because that to me is like the older person social media thing now. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody from like, you know, my old next door neighbor who was in her 60s to like my friends from high school. But like one of my closest friends I grew up with in high school who's great dude, lives in New York now. You know, he's on Facebook, but he's never been on Instagram or Twitter, anything. Yeah. Nothing, nothing else. You know, um, but I, I mean, I, you know, I keep up with maybe three or four people from high school that are still actual friends, you know, other than that, I'll see some people like, you know, if I scroll through Facebook, you know, it's like, Oh, that person's doing that. And they have these kids and whatever, but I, I barely get on there anyway. So that mostly for podcast stuff. So it's like, I don't care that much, you know, but, uh, I mean the people that I want to be tight with, I'm tight with. I've recently started to very much care about it. Yeah. And I've been thinking about the, you know, that most, yeah. I just feel like, um, I've run into this. You just interrupted me by the way. Sorry. It's go cool. ahead. No. You're the guest. Go ahead. Interrupt me in my own home <laughs> while spreading COVID on my microphones. I, it's pneumonia. Um, <laughs> I found that like when MySpace became a big thing, that was like 10 years after I had been out of high school. And I didn't keep up with anybody except my one best friend that I'm still friends with today. But there had been maybe two instances where I reached out or they reached out to me and we talked for like five minutes and then it was like, oh, wait, this person is a complete stranger. Like, yeah. we knew each other 10 years ago. Now they're just somebody you used to know. Right. Yeah. Nine we had this time that together. That was a very powerful song. We talked yeah. about old times. 
And then it was weird. And then there's nothing else. And there's nothing else to talk about because we're yeah. completely different people now. I've had that experience too. So just, you need to back off. <laughs> Me? Yeah. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but most people die within 50 miles of where they were born. Hmm. Now, the three of us in this room are far from where we were born. Mm-hmm. And it seems to going to be the case. But I have been thinking a lot about it. I mean, I've been having some, not morbid thoughts, but some very like lifey thought thoughts. Like, damn I'm it, like, am I going to end up near Montgomery again? Well, maybe not Montgomery, but maybe Birmingham, because that's where I'm from. Right. I would, I would move back to Mundelein, Illinois in a fucking second. Why? I hate the South. It's just so different from where I grew up, and it's just, it, that's home. I've never felt, I've never felt at home anywhere I've lived since I lived in the Chicago well, what, area. What brought you to the South initially? <clears throat> My wife... When we met up there, they moved her company down to Florida. And then after a while, we moved to Alabama, where her parents live. And in the meantime, my sister and my dad had moved to Paris, Tennessee. Yeah. So then I ended up But you there. also spent time in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. About five years. Which I don't consider Florida the South. I mean, I know it's literally regionally Southern, right. but it's a very different thing. It's to Florida's me, it's not like Alabama. True. But to my Chicago area brain, that's all the South. Yeah. It's a different, it's definitely different than this, well, a lot this of, area. A of lot the of people South. in Florida aren't from Florida. <clears throat> right. A lot of people are transplants right. from the Northeast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the culture is just very hodgepodge. I mean, inland Florida, maybe there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of rednecky shit, but there's mm-hmm. rednecks everywhere. Yeah. yeah. But I moved here for work. I did not enjoy Birmingham, I did not enjoy Montgomery. But I have been thinking, like, well, that's where I'm from, though. Like that's where I was raised. Yeah, like, I shouldn't say I hate the South. No, no, I'm not. But where I was, the, just Illinois is home to me. I don't feel defensive about so. it. That's that's what I'm getting at, though. That's home to you. Mm-hmm. Because like, what's there for you? It's just where you're from. Mm-hmm. That's the pull I'm feeling. Well, I might have that feeling of this place is different and I'm different. So if I was to move there, like I was saying about friends that I haven't talked to in 10 years yeah. from school it might be if it could be like you can't ever go home well there if i if i was (laughs) if i was to move back up there i wouldn't get the feeling that i think i would you know what i'm saying but you might though too the the reason that people die 50 miles from where they were born isn't because they never left i used to think oh well people don't leave people never find a way to leave and i think that's true I think a lot of people don't, mm-hmm. but a lot of people do. But you realize, like, I've been thinking a lot about, like, we're moving to Mount Juliet or Hendersonville, which is outside of Nashville. And I'm like, me and Isabel are having a lot of conversations about how do we feel about that? Right. And I don't have any big spiritual tether here other than mm-hmm. it's where I do work. But what I'm doing with my life is hunkering down into my family. And that doesn't have anything to do with Nashville, really. Sure. So my family's in Alabama. Like I'm spending my whole adult life away from my family. Yeah. And something about that is feeling more and more wrong to me. Mm. Now, I'm not close with my family. I don't think that I'd be like having dinner with them every night. But I've lived away from my family for like 13 years now. Yeah. And I've lived away from where I'm from. Do I like Birmingham? No. But it is where I'm from. It is where I became, it is where I spent my 72 seasons. Sure. And there, I'm sensing and feeling something in me mm. that is I mean, I don't want to move to Birmingham. Yeah. But I'm also thinking about, is Nashville my home? And I don't know if that's the case either. Yeah. I feel kind of like lost in time mm-hmm. in terms of like 
feeling grounded to a place. That's interesting because I, I I definitely have the feeling that Nashville feels more like home than Southern California. Mm-hmm. Like I've never had a desire to move back there. Mm-hmm. You know, I I enjoy being out there. When we're on the road. Maybe I have a day off to see my sister or something like that. But there's nothing inside me that's like, man, I need to get back there. You know, maybe the feeling you're having about Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel. I mean, I've been in Nashville with the exception of two years where I went home. A total now of like 22 years. It feels like home to me. Out even outside of music. You know, like I could see myself still living here even if i stopped playing music mm-hmm. um i don't know it's just there's something about this city that you know kind of captured my uh, heart a little I bit i definitely couldn't live here if i didn't play music yeah no fucking way but see this is this like you had said you kind of feel lost i do too because like i would go back to illinois but at the same time i have friends here i'm real tight with my nephew who lives across the street from me <clears throat> you okay need some water yeah <laughs> and so I could see moving to Nashville and that would be a good medium for me. Cause part of what I, I don't like about Paris and the South in it, general, it's not real Paris that, yeah, that too. <laughs> no, Eiffel it's, Tower. it's although there isn't, there is an Eiffel yeah. Tower. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I grew up like in the suburbs, like 30 minutes outside of Chicago. So the South, everywhere I've lived in the South is like, I live in Mayberry out in the middle of nowhere. So I'm just like, I'd rather live in the city or a lot closer to the city. Paris, a little too like remote for you. Yeah. A little too rural. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like we were saying, like the, the nearest big city is either 30 miles, 30 minutes north or south. Yeah. Clarksville is an hour from me. And then Nashville's another hour from there. Yeah. So if I lived a lot closer to here. You've never really done it. So yeah, there's a thing for you where you want to taste it because you've never really done it. What do you mean? Lived in Nashville. Right, right. A place that is very exciting for you where you have friends right. where there's a lot of, mu- right. you're a big live music guy. Right, yeah. Not a lot of live music in Paris, Tennessee. Right. And that two-hour drive. You're also you know, in a for, stage of life where you've raised your kids. Yeah, that's a weird thing too. Like I'm at an age, I'm, well, I'm at an age where like going out and partying is not something that, you know, is normal. But I didn't do that in my 20s and 30s because I had kids. Yeah. So now I'm so at it's a party time. Now it's party time, <laughs> but I'm too old for it. Empty nest. But I'm not. Yeah. Well, you and Ethan go out and party tonight. All right. I oh, mean, I'm going to play two songs and have cold beers and <laughs> take those, take those pants home. down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just whip out that yeah. tattoo tonight, man. Right. I don't think I'm articulating how I feel very well. I don't want to move to Birmingham. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm just saying a lot of this out loud for the first time yeah me it too. sounds like it That's sounds like you're, you're, you're hitting an age which I, I feel like i did too when i started when i approached 40 and got and hit 40 is that there's just at least in my experience there was like these sentimental things that started popping up and you start to feel like maybe like a bit of emotional about like your past you know it's like i don't know if it's like maybe a, a, a what if thing like well, what if i would have stayed there or what mm-hmm. if i never came to nashville or what if i end up somewhere else and um and where you grew up is kind of one of the most familiar things you have in your life. So I don't know if I don't know if that's the case with you. If it's if it's a uh, you're just feeling nostalgic, I guess maybe. No, that's not no? it. No, I, I'm a very unsentimental person. Yeah, it's really not that. I don't know what it is. I, I'm sorry. I'm just disagreeing with you and not offering anything positive. But no, but fine. you have to think about. Like, I, I don't. I don't want to become friends with these people. Right. I'm just suddenly curious about them because they're who I grew up with. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it's just where I'm from. It's what I'm made of. And is it I, maybe a comparison thing? Like, I wonder, 
like 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 a for yourself like i wonder if what i'm doing is cooler than what they're doing i have zero percent of that no okay well i know it's cooler than what they're doing oh man i know it too yeah <laughs> i mean i have no confusion about that yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, rather... a tour, I'm a touring musician i can make music every day exactly yeah it's not that it it's something deeper than that hmm. interesting i'm having a really hard time articulating it that's and okay. landing it maybe we'll just leave it there <laughs> i don't know no i get it because i have i have i kind of have like conflicted feelings about moving well i used to think I used to think Nashville is the best thing ever. It was really exciting when I was 27 and moved here and immediately was jumping in vans and buses and yeah. fulfilling my dreams. Right. And now I'm still fulfilling my dreams, but it doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. And as I think about the next 20 years of my career, it's not as, I'm not so sure what's going to happen mm -hmm. as I was 10 years. 10 years ago, I was just, if you guys had known me then, I was 100% certain that someone like Fiona Apple or Nora Jones was going to snag me up and I was going <laughs> to play with them for my whole career. Right. And I was going to produce records and I was going to write hit songs. And once you crack the door open to that party and you realize how tough it can be and how arbitrary it can be, even if you've got a good thing going on, I think you start to just look around and you go, well, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a tough industry. And I think I'm at an age now where I feel like I'm aging out of some of the networking part of it. Right. And I did so much good work when I could that I'm living off of it and I'm happy and have a lot of resources and a beautiful family and a lot of people that help me get work. But I'm thinking about the next 20. Yeah. And that's just feeling the door feels closing more than it ever used to. Yeah. I definitely have, I, I'll, I'll kind of have that fear of the unknown sometime of like, well, this is great right now. Like, will this last forever? And like nothing lasts forever, but will we be doing this with Morgan for the next 10 years? Maybe I don't, we don't know. You know, and then we start to approach a certain age. You're what, 47? Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I just thought about this the other day when I was driving somewhere and I was just like, man, the next milestone is 50. That's crazy to think about. You know, like when I was, like when I, when I moved out of my house, my dad was in his early 40s. Like that's just, you know, he's, he was younger than me at the time. But um, yeah, I, I think maybe even just this, I'm speaking for myself. I'm not trying to, you know, pinpoint what you're feeling. But for me, it's kind of like that. The fear of the unknown thing that like, what, like what's going to happen next? You know, what's going to happen later in life? What's going to happen? Am I going to be doing music forever? Um, and sometimes it freaks me out a little bit. And other times I have to like not think about it because it's just going to drive me crazy. I don't know why I was going down this road, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I think the pull towards home is, is when those things fail, what do you have? Yeah. You have where you came from. If your family's still alive, you've got that. And I'm not even close to my family, but mm -hmm. these are just the things swirling around. Yeah. I think these are no, I, I completely normal things to, to, to swirl around in your, in your head when you're in your late 30s, late, early 40s, late 40s, whatever. Uh, it's just the stage in life. You know, you start thinking about things differently. When we're in our 20s, you don't think about this stuff. Mm -hmm. You All you think about is like going to play a show, getting drunk. Can I afford my bills for the month? Great. And that's it. Well, you and it really consider. sneaks up on you fast. I mean, life really yeah. fucking sneaks up on you. And before you know it, before you know it, a lot of time is gone. Mm -hmm. And Isabel and I were looking at some of these people that I went to school with, and I found myself saying, damn, they look fucking old. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't necessarily feeling judgy about it, but I, I was just almost like shocked. Like, yeah, damn, that, they're looking old. And Isabel goes, well, that's what we look like. And that was shocking to me. And she was right. Yeah. I mean, people are looking at me too. Now, do I look good? Am I on stage? Am I playing some cool shit? Yeah. But I don't look the way I looked when I was 19, obviously. 
And the other interesting thing that's happening is my friend Aaron, who I was texting today, his kids are the same age we were when we became friends in third grade. Wow. And they look exactly like him. Yeah. He was sending me his one of his sons is a drummer. His other son plays guitar. They're like nine years old. And they just did a, they played a, the Green Day song Holiday at yeah. their kids' talent show. We, and he played it with his kids and he played bass and sang. Cool. He's 40. He's an old musician, you know, he never made it, but he works in like a bank now, but he, we were musicians together. And his kids look exactly the way he looked when I met him in third grade. Wow. And that is a mind fuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a trip. Like putting things in perspective like that or just, or, or just, you know, doing that math is so, is so strange. Like I, I think, you know, I, I referenced my niece a lot. She's 18 and I'm thinking like, man, she is right around the age that I was when I started touring. Yeah. And, and that just instantly makes you feel older, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. It's wild, man. But you're right. I mean, it, like, like life comes at you faster and faster the older you get. It's really, it's really wild. It's know? really no joke. And then you, you know, you, we're getting to an age where we're dealing with like our parents are dying, you mm -hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and then we'll be next. Yeah. <laughs> well, just to live on the planet without your parents, even yeah. if they didn't do a good job, is just it's very psychologically strange. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but like when we go home for Christmas and stuff, I don't even know if my parents listen to this, but there is a sense where like our parents seem old now. Like yeah. our parents are old mm -hmm. and they can't do the things they used to do. And that is psychologically strange. Yeah. Oh, even the littlest stuff. I mean, you know, my, my dad forgets all sorts of things, you know, and like he, he, you know, barely plays guitar anymore. And that's weird to me because he taught me and I used to watch him and with my jaw on the floor, like, how does he do that? Oh mm -hmm. my God. And I'll hit him up like, Hey pops, you playing guitar a lot? He's like, uh, you know, I picked it up like once last week mm -hmm. for five minutes or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, you know, you have this vision in your head of, of someone in your family, in this case, my dad, where it's like he was like my superhero as a guitar player, mm -hmm. him and James Hetfield. And so it's like it's so weird to like or my dad calls me and like forgets how to like plug in a couple pedals. Well, and by the way, I don't want to cause any problems here, but uh, Ethan's dad, Home Depot guy. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. Brad. <laughs> no, I didn't. I thought he sold houses. Oh, uh, that was years ago. He was a okay. title insurance, mm -hmm. but you know, he, uh, in his, in his twilight years was working at Home Depot. Okay. How are you guys going to make any sense of that? Just to bring it all back home to Home Depot and Lowe's, uh, will there be a sort of beat it style street fight where you tape each <laughs> yes. other's hands yeah. to each other with yeah. a knife fight mm -hmm. over on Donaldson Wood Drive over here? I, I mean, he you, can, he you can, might have the advantage. My dad is not too swift these days. <laughs> no, no. You would be fighting for your father's honor. Of okay. Course. Okay. All right. You're fighting for your vocational integrity. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to have him sit shotgun in the death proof truck with me. If not he, everyone shares for that, Brad, not everyone shares your insane. Oh, you don't want to come with me? your insane masochistic <laughs> fantasies to drive <laughs> off of a fucking cliff. Honestly, I feel like my dad might. My dad says some weird shit where he's like, you know what? I mean, I'm cool. I've, <laughs> I'm, I, I can go at any time. Like he says stuff like that. You think he'd want to get in a car and drive off a cliff with Brad? Maybe his nemesis from Lowe's. <laughs> I can ask him. <laughs> You're going to have to give me one other fantasy that you have that doesn't involve driving off of a cliff. What other great fantasy do you have? What's a great dream? Uh, well, I've always thought it'd be cool to like work at Lowe's like in Los Angeles, like in Hollywood. Right. And, Sell like, Nikki Six some lumber. Yeah, exactly. Like deliver washers and dryers to like Kevin Smith, you know? Yeah, you're a big Kevin Smith guy. Yeah. So you would want to sell Kevin Smith the washer dryer. That's a dream you have. Mm -hmm. I feel <laughs> not, like to, not to work with him or develop a comedy <laughs> show with him. 
or go on tour with them or even be his friend no, just to sell I'm him not, a washing machine. You know me. I'm not, um, you know, creative like at all. You're a podcaster. Yeah, yeah but it takes creativity. I guess. I know. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't write a movie, though, with Kevin Smith. You ever tried it? Yeah. You tried to write a movie? Yeah. Well, let's hear what the premise was. It was clerks in a delivery truck. This sounds pretty good, honestly. <laughs> it literally was because you know, Clerks is not like a like a linear story. It's like ten different little ten minute segments of just things that happen, different things that happen. And I'm like, well, I could, I could write that ten different weird, awkward delivery things that happen in a day. I mean, I'm intrigued. I'd like, like to see it. Sure. It was even, awful. What if you? Well, what if you even just you know started by writing some short <clears throat> stories about? Yeah, I mean, I tried, but they just seemed terrible. Plus, it was like writing the physical act of writing is like torture for me. Well, you can do a computer, yeah, <laughs> or a typewriter. Well, the same thing. Oh, even typing it would be torture for you. Yes. Okay, you can dictate it. <laughs> yeah, that's what podcasting is. Yeah. Well. Hey, man, listen, write these short stories, man. One of the things that I really want to do, especially with Isabel's dad, who is slipping into dementia every day, is I want to, and I want to do this with both of our parents. I wish I would have done it with my grandparents who are no longer with us, but I wanted to draft a Q&A mm -hmm. and I wanted to get them in here and do like a six hour like life story, get it on tape for like posterity, yeah. for Nova. Later in life, if maybe they're not here with us, it's something we could listen to for comfort. Yeah. I think about doing that. I think that's a, I think that's a fantastic idea. I actually uh, a friend of mine had me transfer uh, the same kind of thing of her grandmother on cassette. She wanted it digitized, so I mm -hmm. told her I'd help her out, and I was like, "Yeah, I have cassettes, of course." Uh, and it was really cool. I mean, I don't know I don't know her grandma, obviously, but like it was really cool just to listen to. It was just her grandma talking to like a tape recorder, and all the grandkids and whoever's asking her questions. I'm going to try to land this plane because uh, it's occurring to me why this is important to me. You talking about that? I think we spend the middle part of our lives thinking that what as molds <laughs> how dare you try to make this funny when i'm trying to be <laughs> somber and sad i thought the same <laughs> we spend so much of the middle part of our lives the best years of our lives believing that the work we're doing is what we're here to do and what we are mm -hmm. and i'm not sure that's the case anymore yeah and hearing someone's grandmother hearing your own grandmother tell their story and connecting that to your blood and where you're from and what you come from, even if it's not such a good story. Yeah. I mean, no one wants to hear me regale anyone about my dad's abuse of alcoholism, but it is where I come from. Sure. No one wants to hear me tell you about how racist and fucking rundown and horrible Montgomery, Alabama is, but it is where I'm from. Yeah. It is my blood. And I could talk to you about Hank Williams. I could talk to you about the, what came from it. And I could, I could sure as hell take a page out of my life and, and it would be an example of someone who climbed out of the gutters of Montgomery, who has a beautiful life now, but it doesn't change where I'm from. And so I think getting connected with that is important because I'm not, I just used to think that what it was about was the songs I was writing or the tours I was on. Yeah. I'm just not sure that's the case anymore. I mean, I think a lot of what you know, what we do for a living, as much as it brings us joy and, <clears throat> and you know, it's fun to be on stage and be on the road, you know, it's survival. You know, we're doing, I mean, we, yeah, you get into it because you love it, but, it, you know, ultimately it's like, you're just trying to survive and pay the bills and, and get by. 
<clears throat> but the more important things are these things we're, you know, we're talking about of, you know, sitting down with a parent or a grandparent and talking with them, having a and a for them, like to be able to like listen to those things years down the road or pass them on to Nova or, or her kids one day and so forth. It'd be something really cool. Well, they're just, they're, they're your legend. They're your mythology and they're slipping away, you know, as we're in this age of life. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I think I'm becoming more preoccupied with getting connected with it and trying to preserve it. Yeah. And trying to move into a new stage of life and a new stage of doing work that I love that puts, yeah, food on the table for my baby, but doing it maybe with framing it differently instead of just living tour to tour or song to song. Right. And thinking that Fiona Apple's about to call. Yeah. You know, I think that's some of the stuff I'm swirling around. Yeah. Any uh, concluding thoughts on this very upbeat, uh, feel good <laughs> hit of the summer tangent city? Oh, man, I think that everything you just talked about is is very normal at this stage in our life to start thinking about because I think about that stuff, too. You know, but um, I think it's what James is thinking about. I think that's what this yeah. album's going to be about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the reason, too, that it, it it's obviously Metallica is the reason we do the podcast and they're top three most important bands of my life he's one of the most important songwriters of my entire fucking life Mm -hmm. and so i think seeing what he's been through the last few years be just i mean i've been on this ride with them since 91 yeah to you guys a little you know you guys since like 88 Mm -hmm. that's almost my whole fucking life yeah Yeah. it's crazy and i think if i think it would be strange not to be thinking about it in terms like this and i think that's what 72 seasons is going to be about yeah i think it'd be pretty deep pretty heavy i hope it's heavy because Metallica gives you heavy, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> Any concluding thoughts, Brad? Come through with us. Give us a uh, little parting soliloquy. If you could just give us a sort of age-defining speech um, mm-hmm. that would tie every loose end of this conversation together, that would both solidify the deep messages and themes that we've been toying with, but would also give the people at home, all tens of thousands of them, literally from all over the world, including Iran, if you would be sending them off with hope, that would be good too. Maybe by, by also quoting some um, ancient poetry right? and making allusions to some of the greatest films ever made pre-1960, um, all international. My theory is have a good time all the time. <laughs> always. <laughs> have fun always. Yeah, that too. All right. Well, we're going to let everyone go. Thanks for hanging out in the, uh, the dark hour with us yeah, here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, man. This is, this is a good time. I love seeing uh, yeah. my homies, especially in person. It's even better than on a little digital screen. Well, have fun always. That's a good message to go out on. I mean, that's basically the theme of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Even when you're in an existential crisis, you should be having some goddamn motherfucking fun all (laughs) the time. You're you're doing good, Clint. I really needed to hear you say that, dude. (laughs) Love you, man. (laughs) All right, peace. Adios. Bye. Our advice or what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>